okay. Uh, 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 is, 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 did I fix the sound? Is, I switch it off correctly. Okay. Is, any, anyone can hear me? Good. Okay. Just you know, in my foolishness, I neglected to switch on the sound. Uh, this is webyshiva.org. We're going to begin our shiurim, an exercise on Shabbat. Of course, although the discussion is in the context of Shabbat, uh, the same principles apply exactly on Yom Tov as well. Uh, before I begin with the material, let me point out that if you have a question, feel free to type your question on chat. I will see your question on my screen, and uh, I'll be able to incorporate the answer into the ongoing shiur. If you're watching the uh, the uh, shiur, if you're watching this on the archive, and you're, you can download the archives whenever you want, beginning around an hour or so after the shiur, the archives are available at webyeshiva.org. If you want to ask me a question about a recorded shiur, uh, feel free to send me an email. Uh, here's my email. Did I get it typed correctly? Yes. There's my email. Uh, if you want to send me uh, a question about one of the recorded shiur, I do not look at email every day, but uh, within a few days I'll get around to it and look at your question and send you a response. Now we begin with the stuff, with the material, exercising on Shabbat. Uh, since this is a halacha shiur, we're beginning with the principal halachic source, the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, what it says in the Shofan Aruch is as follows, uh, and the, the, the sources that I'm drawing the material from are always given to you very precisely on the screen. So if you want to look up the sources, you have the exact, uh, you have the exact sources on the screen. I don't have to actually mention them in the course of the uh, Shira. What it says in the Shofan Aruch is, Ein la Shabbat. You shouldn't run on Shabbat. Running is a no-no. Ella Imkain, unless Uladvar Mitzvah. Unless you're running to do a mitzvah. Kagon, for example, La Beta Knesset. For example, if you're running to get to the synagogue on time. Well, because it's a mitzvah to join the community in the synagogue. Or any any other anything similar, any other mitzvah. If you're running somewhere because you want to do a mitzvah, go for it. Otherwise, no running on Shabbat. Now, now this pattern of halacha, a, a, a prohibition, and then an exception cut out for mitzvah purposes. This is the hallmark of a rabbinic prohibition. Uh, uh, do not think for a moment that every rabbinic prohibition is lifted. If you want to do a mitzvah, that's surely not true. But, but some rabbinic prohibitions have built into the legislation when the rabbis prohibited certain things, they carved out a few exceptions uh, to the prohibition. And, uh, uh, well, this is, this is fairly typical of a, of, of a significant number of rabbinic prohibitions. In any event, uh, we have here a rabbinic, pro it's not one of the 39 prohibited labors on Shabbat, but we have a rabbinic prohibition to run on Shabbat with a carve out with an exception for uh, running, running for the purpose of doing a mitzvah. The Ramah, the Ashkenaz Posek adds, the Asur, it's also prohibited. 
It's also prohibited to take giant steps, steps bigger, longer than an ama. An ama is from your elbow uh, all the way to the top of your finger here. Uh, that's one ama, one cubit. Not necessarily my arm or your arm, just like in English, when we speak about a distance being a certain number of feet, we don't mean your feet or my feet. It's a standard, a standard uh, uh, measure, which is uh, based on an average, on an average arm. Uh, you, you should not take steps, giant steps, longer than one cubit, more, more than one ama, in one step. If it's possible to take to take baby steps, if it's possible to take smaller, well, ordinary steps, not giant steps. If it's possible to do what you want to do, taking ordinary steps, that's what you should do. You should not take giant steps. Now, um, uh, the, 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 this halacha it really has nothing to do with Shabbat. Uh, this halacha blocking giant steps applies all week long in every situation. You should never take giant steps. You should always walk with dignity, uh, taking ordinary size steps. Now, of course, if you're crossing the river and you have to, you have to, to step from you know, stepping stone to stepping stone, stepping stones are pretty far apart. Well, you don't really have much of a choice about how you're going to get across the river if you're going from stepping stone to stepping stone. But given a choice, all year long, all week long, and that you should always take smaller steps. Now, this is this is a halacha which is rooted in mystical sources, and uh, unlike the Shulchan Aruch, written by Rabbi Yosef Kara, the Ramah, who added the Ashkenaz notes, uh, freely adds uh, mystical, freely adds material of mystical origin, as he has done here. I don't want to enlarge on this uh, on this particular issue of taking giant steps all week long because it really has nothing to do with uh, Shabbat specifically. Uh, but in another in another series of shiurim, we can talk about about things activities which are mystically dangerous, which are mystically bad for you. And in that context, we would have to speak about taking giant steps. But let, let, let's try to limit the discussion here on the Shabbat issues. Well, what do we know about Shabbat? Shulchan Aruch says there's a rabbinic prohibition to run um, unless you're running to do a mitzvah, in which case it's okay. And then the Shulchan Aruch continues and says, Bahurim, youngsters, uh, youngsters, hamit angim, who enjoy, the kvitzatam, umurutzatam, Youngsters who enjoy jumping and running, mutar, they are allowed to jump and run. Now, this has to do with bachurim. This has to do with young people. You know, until around a year or so ago, I suppose I was a young person. The, 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 the idea is as follows. If you know any children, you know, children, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Children are sort of like you and me, but smaller versions. You see them in Jewish households running around all the time. Actually, I haven't haven't seen them in my house since since around Purim time, since the beginning of Corona. They haven't been around here. But uh, uh, the, 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 these little these little creatures, these children, these smaller versions of people, if you watch them, 
they they love to run and jump. They they spontaneously, spontaneously just run and jump. They just enjoy doing it. And if you enjoy the exercise, if you enjoy running and jumping, then go for it. it it's permitted. Now the Shulchan Aruch has told us the underlying problem with exercise on Shabbos. Why did the rabbis prohibit it? Because exercise, running and jumping, whatever it is, mitigates against Oneg Shabbat, against enjoying Shabbat. Oneg uh, Shabbat, enjoying Shabbat. So you have it typed on chat. Oneg Shabbat, enjoying Shabbat, is a, 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 rabbinic, a rabbinic obligation on Shabbat. And uh, so no, no, no exercise, uh, unless, of course, you're a young person who happens to enjoy it. The uh, chain, uh, and similarly, lirot kol davar shemit angimbo, to run, to see something that you like to look at. You know, something's going on and you enjoy watching it. Uh, it to run there is running for a mitzvah purpose, after all, on Shabbat. Oneg, enjoyment, is a mitzvah. And therefore, if an event is taking place and you want to run there in order to enjoy looking at whatever the spectacle is, that's running for a mitzvah purpose and permit it. Uh, so the Shulchan Aruch has told us about the rabbinic prohibition of exercise, the underlying reason being that it mitigates against oneg, enjoyment of Shabbos, and therefore, we have two big exceptions. One big exception built into the original legislation prohibiting exercise is if you're going for a mitzvah purpose, it's okay. And, and the second big exception is Bahurim, youngsters who just enjoy doing it. Now, now, now you're beginning to think, what about older people who enjoy exercise? No, I'm not uh, so old yet. I'm still. I, I, I think of myself as being pretty young, but I also enjoy exercise, especially since I'm more or less cooped up at home during these uh, Corona times. The uh, uh, a lot of people enjoy exercise. Does that mean it's okay? That's a question which should be running around in the back of your head as we go through the various sources. For some reason, not yet entirely clear. The Shulchan Aruch says the exception of enjoyment permitting exercise is for bachurim, for youngsters. Yeah, it's written in the masculine, uh, young young men, but uh, there's no reason why it shouldn't apply to young women as well. As you know, Hebrew is a highly gendered language. Um, I personally cannot begin to conceive how it's possible to have gender-neutral language in Hebrew or any other highly gendered language. Um, uh, I don't see how it can work. Uh, English or a language like Hungarian uh, or Chinese languages which have little or vanishing little or no gender in them, well, it's easy enough for a language which has very little gender like English to contemplate uh, how to have gender-neutral language. But I don't see how, exactly how it's going to work uh, in Hebrew uh, or other highly gendered languages. The, the, the text is in the masculine. Young men who enjoy uh, exercise can go for it. 
but presumably that proved that, that the no reason why that shouldn't apply to young women as well. The Ramah adds a final note, and it is, of course, permissible to go out for a walk, even though the walk might be strenuous, uh, up hills, down hills, you know, even though going out for a walk it could, could be a very strenuous uh, uh, event, going out for a walk, but if you're going with Tayel because you enjoy it, then uh, uh, then you're okay. Uh, why does the text say Bacharim and not Yiladim? Well, uh, first of all, uh, you have to realize that the text of the Shohan Aruch is almost 100%, maybe even 100% derivative. Uh, that's a complicated way of saying there's hardly an original word anywhere in the Shohan Aruch. Uh, maybe, maybe there's not a single original word. I don't know of any clear-cut exceptions to the following principle. Uh, the Shulchan Aruch, the text of the Shulchan Aruch, consists almost entirely, or perhaps entirely, of, of cut-and-paste jobs from earlier sources. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Kara, who wrote the Shulchan Aruch, was, of course, the, the great master of medieval uh, rabbinic literature, the Rishonim. And, and what he did when he wrote the Shulchan Aruch was to cut the passages, brief passages out of the Rishonim, paste it all together uh, to give you the text of the Shulchan Aruch. So, so the, 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 it's, not, it's not really Rabbi Yosef Karo who decided to write Bachurim instead of Yiladim. Uh, the question goes back to the, uh, uh, to the smog, the, 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 the medieval, the Rishon, who actually used the terminology. And the, 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 uh, I suppose that the reason the word Bahur is used and not Yeled. Yeled gives the impression that we're talking about a very small child, a toddler. Uh, uh, Bahur gives the impression that we're talking about uh, someone a little bit older, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, and uh, soon we're going to have to, well, well let's, let's talk right now about how to decide who is a Bahur and therefore permitted to exercise on Shabbos because he enjoys it, and who is, who's too old for that? Uh, there's no specific cutoff age, but there must be some clear way, some clear understanding of who's on this side and permitted to exercise if they enjoy it, and who's on that side and not permitted. The underlying idea is as follows. For older people like me, probably anyone over the age of 15 or so, you know, I'm going to give a specific age here, uh, surely, surely an older teenager, but for older people, surely older teenagers, um, uh, exercise, as enjoyable as it may be, requires overcoming a hump of resistance. If we look at the Israelis, who are jogging on this uh, beautiful graphic that our graphic artist prepared for us. Uh, I don't know how long they have been jogging in this picture, but once you get going, once you're jogging, the endorphins flow in your brain and give you a very pleasurable experience. You, you feel good. Not only do you feel good, while you're exercising, but you feel better even later on. It just makes you feel good. It's enjoyable. But to get to that stage, 
you must overcome a hump of resistance. Uh, as much as I personally enjoy exercise, it's a little bit of an effort to get started. You know, like uh, it, it's so easy to be lazy and not get started with the exercise. Getting started is a uh, is, is 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 not enjoyable. Exercise for an older person, late teenage years and on, maybe even a little bit younger, depends on the purpose and the person. Running and jumping at a certain age is, well, it's not easy to get started. You have to get yourself going. And once you get going, then it's pleasurable. But it's not pleasurable from beginning to end. Small children, uh, uh, they just, just do it. I mean, they enjoy it from beginning to end. So if you are still of an age when you... Well, like small children who just you know, jump up and run spontaneously. That's what just what they have fun doing. Go for it on Shabbos. If you're at the age where 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 ah, you, you, you jog a, a few kilometers every day, but you know, like you have to get started uh, and you have to get going until you enjoy it. The initial phase, which is not enjoyable, is the phase which is prohibited on Shabbos. Oh. Uh, give you a bizarre scenario, and you'll explain how it works, and you'll understand how it works. If you start jogging before Shabbat, and, and, and as Shabbat begins, you're already into it, and now it's, you really feel good, well, uh, the, the unpleasurable part, at the beginning, that was before Shabbat, and that's fine, you can, you can keep going. You can keep going on Shabbat. But to begin on Shabbat is the problematic part, according to the Shulchan Aruch. Okay, so we understand a lot about uh, about uh, the, the rabbinic prohibition of exercise on Shabbat. Let's go one step further. Uh, the Mishnah Brura, surely the most important of the 19th, uh, 20th century poskim, says, Af b'chol, even during the week, ein lefsoa psia gasa shikashel einayim. The reason Rama brought this mystical idea, uh, saying you should not uh, take uh, giant steps even during the week, is because it, it, the, 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 the mystical influence of giant steps is going to dim your spiritual vision. Someone who takes giant steps during the week will dim his or her spiritual vision. Yeah, you know, if you have to, you have to. That's the only way to get across the across the the river on the stepping stones. So that's what you have to do. But in general, you should reduce as much as possible, preferably to zero, the number of giant steps you take for mystical reasons. And let's leave the these mystical issues, which have nothing to do specifically with Shabbat, for a different series, for a different series of uh, of shiurim. Uh, further, the Mishnah Brewer writes as follows. It's even prohibited to run for therapeutic purposes. Uh, you know, the, the, the doctor says, you know, you have a heart condition or, or you're recovering from this injury or that injury and you, you need, you know, certain exercises, uh, therapy, either just ordinary jogging or physio, physiotherapy. Uh, supervised by a professional, you, you need some exercise for therapeutic reasons, even 
if you're exercising for medical reasons, the doctor ordered it, still it's prohibited on Shabbat. Um, the reason for that is that medical therapy in general is prohibited on Shabbat. Uh, medical therapy of any form is in general prohibited on Shabbat, unless, of course, it's a life-threatening situation. In order to save someone's life, you, you, you do what you have to do. But if it's not a life-threatening situation, just swallowing a, ta a medical tablet, a therapeutic tablet, just doing any kind of therapy, any, anything which is medically, medically uh, uh, advised is not allowed on Shabbat. The reason is it's a rabbinic prohibition. Back in those days, well, still today, I suppose, some people, but back in those days, people used to grind their own medicines in a mortar and pestle. You get the leaves, uh, the, the, the seeds, whatever, whatever, you, 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 whatever medicine the doctor prescribed for you, you put it in a mortar and pestle, you grind it into a powder, you know, make a tea out of it, or you drink it as it is, whatever. Yeah, every medicine is taken differently, whatever the, whatever the instructions are for that particular medicine. But people would grind their own medicines uh, uh, in, in, in late antiquity and in the Middle Ages. And since grinding is one of the 39 prohibited labors on Shabbos, you know, in order to make bread, you have to grind the wheat into flour. You have to mill the flour. So milling, grinding the wheat into flour, that's one of the 39 prohibited labors on Shabbat. You're not allowed to do it. Yeah, taking vitamin D on Shabbat, prohibited. Uh, uh, well, depends why you are taking vitamin D. If you are taking vitamin D because you have a vitamin deficiency and this is going to cure you, no, you shouldn't tell. Well, maybe it's a life-threatening case. I mean, like it's just a, a routine uh, you know, garden variety illness, which is not life-threatening, and you can wait until tomorrow. No, you shouldn't do it on Shabbat. If, on the other hand, you're taking vitamin D, not because you are sick, but because you want to ward off illness, you want to prevent getting sick. Well, at the moment, you're perfectly healthy. Uh, you just don't want to get sick and that's why you're taking the vitamin D, well, that's not therapeutic at all. You know, therapy means you're curing some disease. You're not sick if you're, taking, if you're taking vitamin D for prophylactic purposes in order to prevent the onset of disease. Same thing with vitamin C or anything else. If it's, if it's to prevent disease, that's not, technically speaking, Therapeutic, it's not curing anything because you're not sick, just preventing a disease. And that's okay to take on Shabbos. Now, uh, of course, nowadays, uh, it, it's extraordinarily unusual that people grind their own medicines. In fact, I don't even know anyone who does it, but I suppose there's some people out there. Uh, today, all the medicines are manufactured in pharmaceutical plants or, or compounded by the by the pharmacist, uh, no, no, no one does it. No one does it at home anymore. At least very few people do it at home anymore. In fact, in fact, nowadays most people don't even know which is the mortar and which is the pestle. Uh, 
uh, since it's not a, uh, a common household implement nowadays, people don't even know which is the mortar and which is the pestle. And therefore, nowadays, the prohibition doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of uh, contemporary society. And for this reason, uh, rabbis tend to be extraordinarily lenient in the application of the prohibition of therapy on Shabbos. If there's any reason for leniency, you don't need a very strong reason. All you need is some reason to be lenient in applying the prohibition of therapy on Shabbos. And that's, for most, most rabbis, good enough. Since the underlying reason for the prohibition doesn't apply, we can be as lenient as possible in its application. We don't have the authority to uh, repeal the rabbinic legislation altogether. We don't have a Sanhedrin, so we're stuck with it for the time being. But at least we can be as lenient as possible in its application. Um, it, it, uh, well, if you take a prescription every day, uh, it depends upon, of course, what you're taking. Uh, there, there, there's a whole, uh, there's, a, there's a, a truckload of diseases, a huge number of diseases, which today uh, contemporary physicians relate to as being more or less trivial because they're simple cures. Uh, the same diseases in earlier generations used to kill people. Uh, people used to die from a very long list of diseases, which today are so easily treated, and it's extremely rare uh, that people die from them, uh, uh, just because uh, the, the, the disease entity that you are suffering from is easy to treat, all you have to do is swallow a little antibiotic pill, uh, uh, once a day for a week, or whatever the whatever the uh, whatever the uh, course of course of treatment is, that doesn't mean that it's not a serious disease. If left untreated, that's the kind of disease that people used to die from. So, uh, uh, although most people relate to to swallowing the antibiotic uh, once a day for ten days, whatever it is, as being a you know, fairly minor inconvenience, it's really a life-saving procedure. And that's, of course, permitted on Shabbos. So the question whether or not to uh, continue taking a 10-day prescription uh, on Shabbos, so that, that, that's a, a question which has to be, has to be uh, evaluated in each case individually. Uh, uh, the basic rule, which is easy enough to formulate, is if you need it, you need it, and you should take it. If you could skip skip Shabbos, so you should skip Shabbos. Uh, take take it just before Shabbos. Take it just after Shabbos. You know, figure out some clever way uh, to skip 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 it on Shabbos if it's not really necessary. Uh, whether or not it is necessary or not, you can you can you can establish the facts with a quick discussion with a physician who prescribed it or with the pharmacist who provided it. Uh, they'll be able to tell you right away whether or not this is a condition which, left untreated, has a potential for being deadly serious. So, in any event, even if you're exercising for therapeutic purposes, still not allowed on Shabbos. Well, you know, like maybe it's a life-threatening condition. You're recovering from a heart attack or something. But if it's not, if you're not taking care of a life-threatening condition, uh, 
therapy does not permit exercise on Shabbos. Aval, however, mutar letayel, we'll have to go out for a walk because that's enjoyable beginning to end. Afilu kavanatol hit amel, even if you're going out for the walk for the intention of exercise, ulhit hamem, and to be therapeutic, the doctor says, oh, you have such and such a heart condition. You have to walk for half an hour a day, the doctor says. It's terribly important for you. Well, um, uh, uh, the doctor said, yes, the doctor can skip a day. Does it really make a difference? It has to be seven days a week. It can't be six days a week. I can't do it just before Shabbos and just after Shabbos. And the doctor says, yeah, yeah, to do it just before Shabbos, just after Shabbos. There's no magic in doing it exactly every 24 hours. Just keep it up on a regular basis. Well, even though you don't have to do it on Shabbos, it's okay because the only difference between you going out for a walk on Shabbos afternoon and your neighbors who are going out for a walk on Shabbos afternoon is they are doing it for enjoyment. You are doing it because the doctor ordered it. Your kavana, your intention is for therapy, medical therapy. Their kavana, their intention is just to have an enjoyable walk on Shabbos afternoon. But they look, you look exactly like your neighbors. No one can tell by looking at you that you are going out for an exercise walk. It looks just like someone going out for an enjoyable Shabbos afternoon stroll. The only difference is in your mind, your kavana, your intention is different. And as it says in the Shabbos song, hir hurim, mutarim, you're allowed to think about whatever you want to think about on Shabbos. You shouldn't think about things that make you sad because that mitigates against the, against the enjoyment of Shabbos. But aside from thought, thoughts that make you sad, you're allowed to think about whatever you want to think. Mutar l'shadech et abanot. You can think about uh, business. You can think about shidukim. Uh, you can do calculations in your head. Money matters business. You can think about your business affairs. Oh, you have this problem in business. You have that problem. As long as it's not making you sad, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make yourself sad on Shabbos. But if it's only uh, thoughts in your mind about, uh, about writing, business, all kinds of things which are prohibited on Shabbos, exactly like it says in the Shabbos song. And therefore, since the only difference between uh, you who are going out for a Shabbos afternoon stroll for therapeutic purposes and your neighbors who are doing exactly the same activity because they enjoy it, the whole difference is in your, in your thoughts, your intention. Uh, no one sees that. Uh, no one can see that the, there's any difference here. And therefore, there's no prohibition. Uh, the, the, the prohibition is to exercise in a way that an onlooker, you might be in private, but if there were someone looking at you, someone looking at you would be able to see by your actions, by your behavior, that you're doing therapeutic exercise. If, if that's apparent, then no, you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos, unless, of course, it's a life-threatening condition. Uh, if, you're, 
if you're going out for a stroll on Shabbos afternoon, just like everyone else, then it's not apparent. It's not apparent that you're doing it for therapy. Uh, you drink a glass of orange juice because you are uh, vitamin C deficient and suffering from scurvy, and that's what's going to cure you. Well, you look just like someone who's drinking a glass of orange juice because they enjoy it. Uh, th this is technically what the Gemara calls ma'achal bri'im, uh, food. There you have it typed correctly on chat. Ma'achal bri'im, food, which healthy people eat, not for therapeutic reasons, just because it's good food, you are allowed to eat for medical purposes, if that's the food you need for medical purposes, because it looks no different. The person who's eating that food looks no different than the person who's eating exactly the same food just because he enjoys it. And the only difference is in the thoughts. It's, the, it's not apparent, not mukha milsa, not apparent to an onlooker, if there would be an onlooker, that you're doing it for therapeutic reasons. Right. Right, go out for two thousand meters for a walk. Of course, there is a there is a a, 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 a you can walk more than two thousand meters. The 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 the, um, uh, the, uh, the when it says in the Torah, Al Yitzay Ish Mimkomo, no one should walk out of his place. No one should walk out of her place on Shabbos. That means out of town. Uh, and, and the, the halachic borders of the town called Tchum Shabbat, that's a subject for another discussion. But as long as you're within the halachic borders of the town, you, you could walk all day long, uh, uh, kilometer after kilometer, and not be guilty of walking too far. The um, Mishnah has taught us that there is no leniency in the prohibition of exercise for medical purposes. Unless, of course, your form of exercise looks, appears, just like someone having a good time. You know, going out for a stroll on Shabbos afternoon is his examples. Some people are strict regarding this. Some people are strict regarding this means that it's not required to be strict, but people who choose to be strict have a valid source to, uh, uh, for their strictness, and therefore we shall not mock them, uh, we shall not make fun of people who are, who are strict and refrain from uh, taking a walk on Shabbos afternoon. Even though it's permitted, uh, we will not mock them, we will not make fun of them, because there are some sources for them to rely upon for this strict practice, and although it's surely not required to refrain, although it's surely not not a halacha, uh, there are sources, and therefore, and therefore we can smile on the people who choose to to be strict. We will not say they're just fools for following this strict opinion. There is such an opinion. Okay, so so far we know the basic halacha in the Shulchan Aruch and the approach of the Mishnah Brura. Now, let's flash down to the more recent poskin. Uh, we have before us the text of the Tzitzel Yezer, Yezer Yehuda Waldenberg, uh, one, of the great, one of the great rabbis here in Israel during the 20th century. Nishalti, 
he writes as follows. These are his words. Nishalti, I was asked, I was asked whether on Shabbos it is permitted to tagile goof, to do physical exercise, the emtsa would kliha miyuchad lachach by using, by doing physical exercise using a special utensil, hanikra b'shem, a special utensil which is called expander. You know, one of these uh, things, uh, 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 for resistance, uh, for for resistance training, Murkav Makamakritsim. This gadget consists of several springs, and you you you, you expand it, and and your resistance exercise will build your muscles. Are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? That's the question. Now, although he was asked specifically about the expander, uh, you can substitute in your mind just about any other device for exercise. Uh, I myself uh, 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 favor kettle kettlebells. Um, kettlebells are really good. They don't take up much room in the house. They're, they're really very small. Uh, they're cheap, and they're fantastic, absolutely fantastic exercise. You, you put you you put in uh, you, you work just about all the large muscles in the body more or less simultaneously, and uh, oh, it's really good. So in any it really doesn't matter what, what, what your what your favorite exercise device is. The chula, the answer is as follows. Aleph, first point. The Mesachishab in the Gemara, we learn as follows. Sachin umishamshin umimashmashin avalomitamun. It's okay on Shabbos to anoint the body with oil. Uh, it's okay uh, to uh, uh, rub the body on Shabbos, but not to do hit amlut. Rashi says, shif shuf pakoach, rubbing the body strongly. You know, to rub the body gently, but not strongly on Shabbos. The low midgarim, you don't have to scratch yourself on Shabbos. I'm allowed to scratch yourself on Shabbos? Uh, uh, put yourself for a moment back into the cultural milieu of the Greco-Roman world, and you'll understand what the what, what the rabbis were talking about. Back in those days, you know, the Beta Merchat, uh, the the bathhouse, was immensely popular. Uh, the Romans built bathhouses everywhere. Many of them are still standing to this very day. Well, the ruins are still standing to this very day. The, um, the, the, in, in the Greco-Roman period, they were into bathing, um, really, really uh, strong into bathing. They had bathhouses all over the place. I mean, the Greeks even had showers that they used. The, um, but the, the water in the bathhouses was largely filthy, absolutely filthy for many reasons. Um, uh, this continued uh, down into the down into the 20th century, uh, as late as the 19 uh, as late as the 1940s, even to the 1950s. The, the Soviet banya, right, the, the, in the glorious days of the Soviet Empire, the uh, uh, Stalin built banya, the Russian word for bathhouse. He built banyas all over the place. Every little town and village had its banya. Every neighborhood had its banya. But they didn't have 
bathing facilities in their homes, in their apartments. Uh, but there was a banya, which everyone went to, and the water there also was typically filthy, filthy, filthy. Uh, nowadays, uh, people tell me in Russia they've got it straightened out. But uh, uh, in any event, in late antiquity, after you uh, bathe in the filthy water of the bathhouse, you have to scrape your skin. They had special scrapers, which they used to scrape the skin all over the body, to scrape the whole body, to scrape off the dirt that was left from the, from the bath. And then they would anoint the body. The scraping, of course, leaves the skin very rough. Then they would anoint the body with oil. That's how they bathed in, uh, in the Greco-Roman period. I speak North American English, where we don't distinguish between bathing and bathing. Remember that. The um, uh, uh, ah, so so the, the the vigorous scraping that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. Rashi, in his commentary on the Gemara, yeah, as he comes to the Dead Sea, you have to take a shower and wash off, the, wash off the salt water, right? Uh, people still go in the Dead Sea. It's been years since I've been there. So the, 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 the the water level is very low now. I guess people still go in. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been there. The uh, Rashi, in his commentary on the Gemara, says, Shifshuf the Koach, rubbing the skin, scraping the skin vigorously, that's what you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. The reason is it's uvd uh, The reason is uvd dechol. It's a, a, a manifestly weekday activity. Um, let me explain what's going on here. Uvdechol, weekday activity, is a very important halachic concept as far as uh, Shabbos and Yom Tov is concerned. Uvdechol, weekday activities are prohibited uh, on, on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Now, if you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that this is a very difficult prohibition to understand. After all, as I've emphasized over and over again in my various shiurim, a, a halacha, in order to be a valid halacha, must have a clear definition. If there's no clear definition uh, to a halacha, then it cannot be a valid halacha. Different rabbis might disagree about what the definition is, but each rabbi has a precise understanding of what is prohibited in order for a prohibition to be a valid one, one must be able to define precisely what is, uh, what is prohibited and what is permitted. Now, now, anyone who wants to say that weekday activities are prohibited on Shabbat is going to get into trouble right away trying to figure out which weekday activities. I mean, surely there are millions of things that we do every all the time during the week. Surely. Uh, just because you eat cornflakes with a spoon during the week doesn't mean that you're not allowed to eat cornflakes with a spoon on Shabbos. Uh, surely, uh, there must be some clear definition here. And since that clear definition does not exist, it follows that there is no such thing as a prohibition of uvdin dechol. There is no such thing as a prohibition of uh, weekday activities uh, being prohibited on Shabbos. 
However, what there is, is a principle pertaining to certain prohibitions. Certain prohibitions have their own measure to them. I'll give you one example, you'll understand what I'm talking about, and then you'll be able to multiply examples yourself. Uh, we spoke before about the prohibition of grinding. You're not allowed to mill, uh, you're not allowed to mill wheat into flour on Shabbos. You're not allowed to grind uh, uh, drugs in your um, uh, in your mortar and pestle. Grinding, taking a big object and crushing it into small, tiny particles. That's that's grinding tochen. That's prohibited on Shabbos. But but uh, Rav Papa says in the Gemara, Haiman Deparim Silka, just taking a vegetable and cutting it up. What's the difference between that and grinding? You start with a large tomato and you end up with small tomato pieces. What's the difference between that and starting out with a, a grain of wheat, uh, putting it through the, through the mill and ending up with flakes of flour? It's, it's equally, equally prohibited. That Ralph Papa said in the Gemara. Well, 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 well this clearly is this clearly is highly problematic. That surely, surely, uh, we cannot say that it's prohibited to cut any food. Cut, surely, we cannot say it's prohibited to cut a cucumber in half on Shabbos. What sense does that make? There must be some specific measure of fineness how small the pieces have to be, how small the flicks have to be, in order to say you are guilty of grinding on Shabbos. Just, just cutting a, a single grain of wheat in half, that's not grinding, because the particles you've made are not small enough to qualify as grinding. What is the measure of fineness? How fine do the particles have to be? In order to say you're guilty of grinding on Shabbos, well, that all depends on how you prepare the food during the week. If during the week you normally cut up the cucumber, uh, you normally cut up the cucumber uh, pieces this size, then cutting them small to smaller pieces on Shabbat is indeed a violation of tochen. Uh, the, the fineness, the smallness, the size of the resulting particles, which makes you guilty of grinding, is defined by weekday, your weekday activities. Well, however you do it during the week, doing it finer than that, or that fine, or finer than that on Shabbos, you're guilty of grinding on Shabbos. The, 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 the pieces of, of uh, cucumber have to be at least a little bit larger then you would uh, chop, chop them up on uh, chop them up on, on, on a weekday. So, so Uftim Dachol, weekday activities is a principle, but it's a principle which has to do with figuring out the borderline between permissible activities and prohibited activities. I gave the example of grinding. In our particular case, the question is, how vigorously are you allowed to scratch the skin how vigorously are you allowed to do that? Well, as vigorously as, as you would scrape the skin coming out of the uh, out of the bathhouse, that is your measure of uh, of, uh, of prohibited scratching on uh, on, on Shabbos.
And uh, if you're interested, you go to any any uh, museum uh, which has archaeological archaeological uh, findings from the Greco-Roman Empire, and you, you'll see plenty of examples of scrapers. Those scrapers are, are of immense interest to archaeologists. Most people had their own private scrapers, which they carried around with them all the time, and th those are important archaeological finds, which you'll find displayed in a large number of, uh, of, uh, of museums. Right, normal can depend on the right. normal can depend on the recipe. It depends what you do during the week. That's true. Yeah, uh, one one cannot uproot hair from the head. That's a separate issue. Oh, no, the tearing head out of the, tearing hair out of the head is prohibited. That raises the question of brushing the hair or uh, or combing the hair. If it's a psychratia, if combing the hair or brushing the hair will inevitably uproot hairs, then indeed you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. If it's possible that it will uproot the hair, possible not that it will, possible that it will not uproot the hair, and you don't intend to uproot, then you're okay. In order to be permissible, it has to be possible to comb the hair without tearing out hair, and you have to intend to avoid uh, uh, tearing it. If you want to tear it out, if you want to tear the hairs out of your head, or it's inevitable, then it's prohibited. Okay, let's, let's continue with this chuva of the tzitzeliezer. We have the basic idea. He continues, Rashi told us the, 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 the measure which determines whether or not it's a prohibited activity has to do with how vigorously you do it during the week. However, that's not my opinion. Rambam understands the Gemara very differently than Rashi, differently than the way we've explained it up till now. Rambam wrote, Sachin u mimash mishin bivnei me'ayin b'shabes v'hu sheyasoch v'yimashmesh v'vatachat k'day shelo yaseh k'derech shu oseh b'chol. It's okay to massage the body uh, uh, on Shabbos. It's okay to massage. Uh, it's okay to anoint the body with oil on Shabbos as long as you do it quickly, just in one go, in order that it's in order that you don't do it like you do it during the week. And then the Rambam says, "Ain you shouldn't exercise on Shabbos." What is exercise? The Rambam asks, and Rambam answers. You lie on the ground. This is the way to exercise, according to the Rambam. You lie on the ground, and people walk on you. You know, someone takes off their, their shoes, and they walk back and forth on your back. Uh, until, until, you feel, until you feel that you're sweating. Uh, or exercise is also... Can be can be accomplished according to the Rambam not by lying down and having someone uh, walk back and forth on your back. Uh, it can also exercise exercise can also be done by uh, walking vigorously until you sweat. Asur liga atzmo. It's prohibited to exercise yourself so much kedeshiyazia so much that you sweat. Any exercise, any exercise which is so much exercise that you sweat, that's prohibited on Shabbos. Why? 
Ibneshu Rufur, because sweating is therapeutic. It's a whole different approach to understanding the prohibition of exercise on Shabbos. Sweating is therapeutic. Back in the good old days, in late antiquity and in the Middle Ages, doctors used to prescribe sweating for a, law, a large list, a long list of diseases. The, the, the course of treatment for many diseases was believed to be sweating. In order to cure yourself of certain diseases, you had to get the poisons out of your body. There are various ways that you could remove the poisons for your body. It depends on what the poisons are. You need the doctor to tell you uh, what, what, what poisons you have to remove from the body and how to go about doing it. Sometimes the course of therapy involves bleeding. We'll let out some blood, and that will let out the poisons. Sometimes, the, for certain diseases, the course of treatment requires exercise or sitting in a, in a, in a, a sauna so that you will sweat, and that will, will eliminate the, the poisons from your body. But the whole purpose of sweating is that it is medically therapeutic. And since we have seen that uh, medical therapy is a rabbinic prohibition on Shabbos, lest you come to grind drugs. Well, that's the reason for the prohibition. Very different than what we've seen up till this point. Behold, he says, Rambam, according to Rambam, uh, the, the prohibition here has nothing to do with the vigor of your activity. Rather, it has to do with the sweating. Uh, the, 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 uh, if you can, you, can, you can be very vigorous as long as it's only a very brief vigor and you don't end up sweating. As I mentioned before, I personally am a big fan of the kettlebell. Kettlebell is, is incredible in, 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 the course, in the course of, of, uh, of seconds. You can work all of the large muscles in your body and, and exhaust yourself, you don't have time within a few seconds to sweat. Um, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. The, uh, according to the Rambam, the whole problem is the therapeutic removal of poisons from your body by sweating. That's part of the prohibition of uh, of uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, now I'm calling you about something different. Uh, you look up, um, look up uh, kettlebell and Google and, uh, on uh, in Wikipedia. You'll see pictures of it. Kettle, kettlebell. It looks like a an old-fashioned kettle. The tama his arm was below kitama isa kabesika u mishmush kisha eno osa bevatachat the sham beemet. According to, to, to Rashi, the whole problem of exercise is that you're engaged in the, a, a measure of, 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 of ex, a measure of effort, which is, um, which is like during the week. According to Rambam, it all has to do with sweating. Well, uh, now we have to decide which opinion to follow as far as Halacha Lamaisa is concerned. He concludes, Lechora, apparently, makes a big difference 
whether we follow the opinion of Rashi or Rambam. Which opinion we embrace is going to lead to different conclusions, all depending upon whether you sweat. If you sweat, according to the Rambam, well, uh, that's a problem uh, because it's therapeutic, assuming that the reason you're sweating is because you have a certain disease and the doctor told you you have to sweat. But according to Rashi, uh, the whole problem is uh, even if there is no sweating, it's just the vigor of the exercise which is prohibited. Well, bottom line, Matsinu, bottom line, we find that in the Tur, in the Shulchan Aruch, in all the later authorities, they quote both opinions. And therefore, there's no need to say that Rashi and Rambam are disagreeing with each other. If Rambam would have proposed to Rashi his explanation, Rashi could have said, yes, I accept yours as well. What you say is prohibited, and what I say is also prohibited. And if Rashi would have spoken with Rambam and presented his view, Rambam could very well have said, oh, you're also right. What I said is prohibited, and what you say is also prohibited. Uh, the, 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 the two opinions of Rashi and Rambam are not inherently contradictory. And therefore, a decision does not have to be made about which opinion we will embrace. And in fact, the Shulchan Aruch and all the later posts can quote both opinions. And therefore, as it says in the Shulchan Aruch, both opinions are definitive. And exercise is therefore bottom line prohibited on Shabbos if you're going to sweat or if it's very vigorous. Now, usually those two things go together, but even if they don't, uh, either, either one by itself is enough for the basis of a prohibition. Now, uh, with this, we're going to pause today. Uh, I wish you a good week. Next time, we will continue with our understanding of the prohibition of the exercise on Shabbos. Until then, I wish you a uh, good week and a Shabbat Shalom. And look forward to seeing you all again in our upcoming Shi'ur. Shalom, shalom.